We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. We're here. What up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of the Corner Podcast. Kel Dansby here. The old man Andreas Hale is on his way in right now. But to start this show, we are joined by the legendary Al Bernstein. Al, thank you so much. It's a busy time. It's a busy time in boxing. So thank you for not only joining the show, but coming down here and sitting with me. Yeah, and no, I'm happy to be here. Uh, you got great studios down here, and uh, it's fun to yeah. visit with you. Thank you. Thank you. It's uh, a very busy time in the world of boxing, yeah. and I guess there's only one natural place to start off, and that is with the institution that is Showtime Boxing mm-hmm. coming to an end. It's been such a pivotal, pivotal space in the sport for right. so long. We already saw HBO boxing and that go by the wayside and they transitioned kind of to the streaming mm-hmm. era. But Showtime still gave us that connection. It still had the pay-per-views. It still had the star power. What does this mean for the sport of boxing in your eyes? You know, the one thing you can always count on in boxing is change. That's true really of everything, isn't it? Um, and, you know, promoters have changed. Platforms have changed. Things are constantly in flux, you know, over the course of time. And part of the reason for that, I think, too, is that unlike other sports with leagues and a structure, boxing doesn't have that, does it? You know, it's got organizations that are loosely kind of running it. And then, you know, whatever platform is doing the boxing has a say. But um, so the sport oftentimes changes. This you know, is one more passage, you know, and I think in the sport of boxing and, you know, we'll see where the next one takes it, but I don't, you know, the sport of boxing itself always finds a place for itself. You know uh, I mean, and in recent, in, in the last, I don't know, 10 years or so, I think boxing has found its niche. You know, somebody once said that every sport in America other than the NFL, is a niche sport. It's just a question of how big is their niche, right? (laughs) And the boxing has, I think in the last decade, kind of found that a little bit. Now, what larger impact uh, it has uh, concerning, uh, you know, Showtime not being there and uh, those fights finding a different platform, I don't think we can tell yet. 
Do you think, because it seems like boxing, especially I'd say mid-90s on, mm-hmm. came so ingrained in the pay-per-view model? Yeah, I think it became ingrained in the paywall, uh, you know, more so even than pay-per-view. There were certainly pay-per-views. If you think of it, UFC, and maybe I should say MMA in general, probably had more pay-per-views per year than boxing. Definitely. You know, monthly pay-per-views. Yeah, monthly pay-per-views and then some additional big ones. So boxing did the pay-per-views part of it. But the two premium channels, HBO and Showtime, were big movers in the sport. Um, And, you know, that was obviously good for the sport in that those two networks were solidly entrenched in boxing. Uh, But some, you know, say, well, what about the availability and all the rest of it? I know that, you know, we, we certainly, the commitment from Showtime, and that's true of HBO as well, uh, to boxing was significant. Um, but, uh, you know, I think boxing, maybe to some degree, some of the viewership became more focused. You know, you had to be in a certain space to to get to boxing. So, yeah, it was more that it was a premium uh, channel oriented. And even now with, uh, you know, zone and uh, uh, ESPN Plus, and even though, Stuff fights around ESPN as well. It's, you know, there's, there's, you have to be a part of something yeah. to watch it. Definitely. You have to make that extra yeah. investment. And that was true with Showtime and HBO. You had to be uh, a part of them. With now this transition, a lot on social media, especially on Twitter, mm-hmm. um, Ryan Garcia's had this dialogue where he's trying, <laughs> he's trying to galvanize the, the boxers yeah. Yeah. and saying, well, now that these traditional networks are kind of getting out of this, mm-hmm the power should be in the boxer's hands. Then there's a guy like Oscar De La Hoya who says, well, us as promoters have to rally around and we should take boxing to the next level. Where do you think it goes? I think the two things are not really related. I I think that the, the influence of boxers is exerted in a different kind of way. You know, it's exerted by good management. It's individual management, not relying on the promoters to be your manager. Uh, And it's, 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 how big can, how much influence can that fighter have on his promoter? So I don't think it has to do with the platforms very much. I think it has to do with uh, whoever's promoting you, whoever's managing you and, and what direction are you going to go? And now clearly what we have uh, in overall in our society is we've eliminated a lot of middlemen, haven't we? Like as evidenced by right here, yeah. right? You know, you, you, we're, you're going directly to people yeah. and, that's true of, uh, you know, in terms of uh, uh, video, in terms of messaging, in terms of everything. We don't have to always have a middleman that allows us to reach people. Um, and I think maybe that's what he's talking about to some degree. And maybe, you know, boxers can certainly have a bigger influence. He's an example of somebody who got a big fight for to a great degree because of his ability to message. I'm not saying Ryan Garcia wasn't a good fighter. He is a good fighter. But that message, that, that ability to message uh, is part of what got him to the Davis fight. Definitely. And we see, I, I just want to see how, how shocked are you to see an event like we're having December 23rd in Saudi Arabia when it's four or five different promoters, all of these different fighters getting together on one card where just 
two years ago, it was like, you can't cross the street, right? There's this yeah. fictitious street. And then now five, six promoters are working together. I think some of that has, and this, boy, you can look at this several ways, right? A lot of it has to do with the Saudi money. Yep. That's the, you know, they don't care who promotes, do they? <laughs> no, money they talks. Just, for a variety of reasons, yep. and I'll let the world decide whether those are good or bad, they want that share of the sports market. So they really don't care, do they? So they're willing to throw enough money at it to make promoters work together and do something. Many, many years ago, uh, you know, the when people would talk about boxing, they used to say, the main color that's important in boxing is green. Yeah. <laughs> it's an old bromide, right? And in this case, that's, you know, it's true. And so, yeah, that, I think that's part of what made that happen. And and when people have that av uh, available, if they will only at least to some degree work together, apparently they can do it. What do you, in, in that same light, it seems like people are more and more willing it appears on the outside to work together more than ever. Yeah, I we're, think, yeah. Where we're getting undisputed fights at a, yes, a yeah. rapid pace compared yeah. to even five years ago. It seems like we're getting four or five a year. Inoue yeah. is about to try to be undefeated. Mm -hmm. We just, I think that'll be the sixth undisputed fight. Tyson Fury and Usyk signed for next yeah. year as an undisputed fight. What is the, what attributes to that and the ability for these companies, in your opinion, to work together? Well, and some of them, even the intra fights that companies and platforms are making have been good. The, the, the indisputable fact is that the quality of matches made in boxing this year is as good or better than almost any year. I, can. I mean, I've been doing boxing for 43 years. This is a year that I would hold up. Not, you know, the 80s were a whole other animal. But for the most part, you know, I would hold this year up to any of those years that became after that because there have been really, really good matches. Some have involved dual promoters, uh, even dual platforms working on pay-per-views. Some have involved uh, uh, fighters that are both part of a certain organization. But the one thing that we that all of it has in common is that, They've been good matches. Um, and men's boxing has starting to catch up to women's boxing. Yes. And I say that mm -hmm. without any asterisk. Women's boxing makes every, uh, un, you know, undisputed and unifying match that can possibly be made. Yeah, years ahead of its time. Yeah. That's why we look at someone like Clarissa Shields and her resume at 27, 28 is unmatched. Yeah, and all the, and, and she is in a, a division that isn't even as, as, has as much depth. You know, when you look at the lower weight divisions, you, you see the, you know, Katie uh, Taylor, the Serrano, you know, uh, uh, just many, yeah. many, Baumgartner, all these fighters that, uh, uh Meyer, they have so many matchups yeah. and, they lose a fight. Nobody writes them off. Nope. And because, and here's, this is true. Of course, the divisions aren't as deep as in some cases with the men. So when you have your loss, it, you're less likely to fall back in line as yeah. far. But nonetheless, it, it's a good lesson to male boxing that don't see someone as damaged because they lost a, a close and exciting fight. You mentioned over 40 years, obviously, covering the sport. <laughs> I started when I was 10. <laughs> Is my nose growing? <laughs> I'm telling you, 
People believe it. Um, <laughs> no, it, it's one of those things where, and you, you've seen more boxing than even that, you know, just covering yeah, the sport. That's true. So it, it's one of those things where I wonder your, your perspective on now compared to what people consider the glory days of the late seventies, the eighties, because there's so much this narrative of boxing is dead or it's yeah, dying yeah. or the influencer boxing is a, is yeah, one of these yeah. things that's going to ruin the sport. Right. But you said it had one of its best years since. Well, I think in terms of the product and in terms of, uh, you know, people have a hard time and we don't live in nuanced times, do we? No, no not with social media. <laughs> no, we no. do not live in nuanced times. So, so once a narrative takes hold, it's hard to shake it. It's hard to, um, to, to rebut it in some ways. But the, um, the thing about boxing is the product has been good uh, this past year, especially. And I think that, um, you know, I'm not, listen, I'm not someone that I'm not supposed to be a cheerleader for boxing. I, I broadcast it. But to me, if, if there are 10 really terrific matches that happen in a three month period, why not say they're terrific? That's all. It's factual, right? It's just, and I think that's what people, you know, I think people are at least understanding that now. Um, and the whole, the whole boxing is dead narrative is just a lazy way of looking at it, in my opinion. Uh, and, and the other idea, for instance, I'm a big believer that uh, combat sports uh, tent has plenty of room in it for mixed martial arts and boxing. Yep. And I even subscribe to the theory that mixed martial arts success has helped boxing rather than hurt it. Agreed. I, I think so, these crossover fights show yeah. a lot of that. Yeah, Fury yeah. and Ghana was a, a major case of that. Right. It's it builds stars and widens the platform. And the 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 thing about mixed martial arts is in boxing they're different sports, definitely different. MMA edgier, yeah. which even makes which I've always said that makes boxing a little more mainstream in a certain way, in a certain way, or, oh, or in terms of acceptability. Definitely. Uh, and, and so as a result of that, the two kind of complement each other in that they're different experiences. Um, and, uh, and so you can enjoy, and more and more people back in the day, people weren't willing to admit they enjoyed both. Now we're getting that. And some of that is the crossover. Listen, obviously when there's two genres that now, uh, are a flashpoint for people. One, the celebrity boxing, which I put in a different category. And two, the crossovers between mixed martial arts and boxing, which until recently, really no mixed martial artist had done well at. Yep. Uh, and part of the reason for that is the same reason that most boxers wouldn't do well at UFC. It's a different discipline. Yes. Uh, Holly Holm, went, who is a terrific women boxer, had a kickboxing background, spent a lot of time working on uh, her uh, MMA skills, and was successful. Became a champion. Became a champion. Um, but, you know, so it's, you know, the, those two things, the crossover, uh, that crossover from with MMA, now with uh, one of the MMA fighters having some success, who knows what it will breed or who knows where that will take that. But it doesn't really matter because the point is what you're saying, that there's this built-in kind of uh, fan base yep. that says, all right, I kind of get want to see that. And, and I, I, it's going to be fascinating to see what the dynamic of that one fight does to that whole discussion, right? 
definitely. It's I'd argue that fight helped MMA arguably more than boxing. Um, I just being in social media and like running the ESPN social media platforms and everything. I think one of our statistics last year, which was mind boggling is the third most popular sports sport right now in 15 to 35 demo is boxing. Interesting. And for so long, when I started the ESPN Mm -hmm. uh, account on social media four years ago, uh, almost five, it was an old people sport. And I was like, Okay, and then now it's the third most popular. I think it's behind soccer and NFL. Well, I've and then always, it's boxing. Yeah, I've always had the theory that it's only who's doing the counting. I, I, because you can't tell me that all the years of in box, all my years in boxing, nobody's going to tell me that all the twenty-eight-year-old men I bump into who want to talk to me about boxing don't exist <laughs> because they you are, they are human beings. Yeah. And, and especially they're often men of color who I'm thinking these people aren't really counting, you know, whether it's a Hispanic fan or whatever, I don't think they're getting to the idea, you know, in whatever paradigm was being thought yeah. of or counted or however, and I'm not an expert on that. I don't know that they, they were fully represented in yeah. that sense. So, um, and you may be, and, and the point you make that also those numbers could have changed and gone up in the last four or five years, which they likely did. So when you put both of those together, I think it, you know, it's probably, that's probably true, but that's a pretty startling statistic. It you is. Just and, and I think you hit the nail on the head more so than even a lot of people attribute it to the influencer yeah. celebrity boxing. And that's great. That brought yeah. in new eyes, yeah. but I, I think you hit it on the head where a lot of you know, different races, people of yeah. color, all these fan bases, yeah. they may not have four or five different television sets. Exactly. They may not right. have the ability when you're just counting viewers on TV, it's underrepresented. But everyone now has a phone. That's right. So yeah. now right. you get all of this influx of point. people. It's a good point. And when you start counting stuff individually, yes. their voices are heard. And when it was 20 people yeah. in a house watching one TV yeah, set right. and watching, That's right. you know, Julio Cesar Chavez or whoever, right. But now all 20 of them are on their phone talking about Canelo. And the other part about that is it's a more precise counting. Let's be honest. Does anybody in their right mind think that Nielsen ratings were always really accurate? No, No. there's no way. There's, There's some person out there representing you and I who may not, they just happen to be the same demographic. That doesn't mean they like the same things or they're watching the same things that that we do. You know, I I, I mean, many people on Twitter, because I'm pretty eclectic in my views on there and talk about the things I like, they're going to tell you that I'm an anomaly for my <laughs> age group and my demographic about almost everything I do. So how could there be that guy out there, right, that yeah. would represent me or you, yeah. you know, either way? 100%. And I think boxing, yeah. uh, the numbers are skewed more for yeah. boxing because there was always this aspect of a fight party. Right. That's right. So, so you, your point's well taken. That's one, one thing. And but there's 30 people, people there. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> like here eating, watching food and everything. Yeah, like exactly. It was the most skewed for boxing, yeah. arguably ever. That's probably true. That's so, a good point. Yeah. Um, yeah. I think now they're seeing the popularity of yeah. the sport and grow now that right. you can individually. And you count. know, listen, it goes back to the fact, of course, you know, this is again, this is also where I, I just wish people could be more nuanced about it. 
Uh, no one is suggesting that boxing is replacing the NBA or the N- or, or NFL or 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 even Major League Baseball. Although I, they have their problems these yeah. days, <laughs> or you know, but but I just like it when people view the sport through a realistic lens instead of a narrative that someone handed them. No, definitely. Yeah, and that's then, all that I think is fair. You know, it's that. Again, it's like a new introduction for so many people because there's so many different outlets and avenues. And one thing I always say is people getting punched in the face is never going to go out of style. The sport has been there forever. And here's the other thing. While we're talking about all the machinations of the sport in the United States, not much has changed internationally over all this time. You know, boxing has remained strong internationally through all the ups and downs in the United States. You know. Uh, Mexico, Great Britain, the Far East, uh, 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 you know, Eastern Europe, Caribbean, places, they always Caribbean, have yeah, yep. all those places have loved boxing forever <laughs> and continue to love boxing. No, definitely, definitely is the case. Uh, just want to dive in then with our last couple of minutes here. Mm-hmm. I want to get your perspective on because such a storied history of voice in the sport for so long. I want to get your point of view on some recent fights and then some of yeah, your favorite sure. fights beforehand uh, as Andreas Hill walking in. So, ah, there you go. Um, yeah, I want to start with a fight a lot of people don't want to see again next year. It looks like we're going to, but a fight that I think was clamored for for so long that we, it deserves it. It's Terrence Crawford versus Errol Spence. It's, it goes back to your point earlier. One loss and people's entire perception right. of Errol Spence has changed to the right. point where they say they don't want to see this fight again at all. And he's done and he's washed up. Well, and here's the other interesting part about that. The one thing about that, the way those narratives change, it's not just that they say, I don't want to see someone moving forward. They start revising history of what they've done when you can't just change your mind about all the, the you know, everything that happened before it. Look, there's a very real question about whether, People are going to, because of the nature of that fight, it was a very one-sided fight. You know, Crawford was brilliant that night. And and whether Spence was subpar or it was just the brilliance of Crawford, it was a dominating performance. In, in, in boxing in general, when that happens, normally somebody takes a different fight before they end up rematching. Uh, not always. But sometimes that's what happens. So that might be the direction they're going. Do you feel, because I feel like this immediate rematch thing is kind of like a, a new fangled idea where you yeah. have to have an immediate one. Because in the 80s, again, people mentioned the four kings and everything. Yeah. They lost to each other, but then they went, they made sure they beat up everybody else. Yeah, right. And then they came back then and was like, come back. Let, <laughs> let's do it again. And try and beat each other up. Yeah. Now. So uh, I, I feel yeah. like is that's kind of something missing now compared well, to then? the other thing is, remember, People only fight twice a year. Back then, they fought three or four times a year for sure, sometimes five. And there was more of an opportunity for that. Now, if you take a fight in between and it's nine months later or a year later, now you're looking at two years down the road. So there are a lot of dynamics that have changed as well. And um, so, you know, listen, that was people did. That's an example of we talked about earlier that boxing, for the most part, has at least this year has made the fights that people wanted to end up seeing. Some of them have not turned out to be as competitive as we would imagine. Yeah. That's an example of one. Uh, some do turn out really good. Some don't. Hey, uh, 
Hi. Hi there. How are you? <laughs> Thanks for joining. I know, right? I had to fight through traffic. Here. Uh, well, oh, yeah. There's a little bit of that around just here. Just a little bit. Yeah. I want to piggyback off what, what we, you were just talking about in, in terms of the dominance of, of Crawford Spence. In all your years of calling a fight, a fight that, that was perceived to be yeah. that 50-50, can you recall something that came close to that level of domination Ooh. by one fighter? Let me think. It probably is, but I just have to, to call it out of my brain. Uh, it doesn't happen that often when... You're, you know, it's well, like you say, it's one of those fights where just about everybody, I mean, I'm probably if you had uh, the predictions on FA were probably 50-50 for people beforehand. That is kind of a rarity that it becomes that dominant for, you know, for one fighter. Uh, once in a while it happens, trying to remember and think of a, a match in which that happened. It'll come to me, but, <laughs> you know, now I'm not, I, I'm, it, I guess it speaks to everything that I'm having a hard time recalling one. Yeah, know, and yeah. That, that's that's the point because well, you know, a, wait, it's a combination of the fact that it probably happened often, and the '80s were good to me. So that's the two <laughs> reasons why I can't think of it. Yeah, I can't think of anything. Public opinion would say that Tyson Holyfield was a fight like that because people God, thought well, Tyson. The first one, was, the first yeah. one, but the, and then, yeah, but the then second you, one was just wacky, right? Yeah. Because of the year thing. The so. first one, they thought like that's pretty 50-50. Tyson got in there, and then it was just well, no, like the first one. No, Holyfield was a huge underdog, massive underdog, huge underdog. Oh, I th- yeah. No, 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 no. no, no. He, Holyfield had lost. No, I mean, Holyfield, Holyfield Tyson, he was a huge underdog. Yeah. Nobody thought he had any chance. No, because Holyfield yeah. had fought the, the trilogy with Riddick Bowe. Like, yeah, Riddick Bowe. yeah, like yeah through, the Riddick Bowe fights. Even then, Tyson coming out of prison, he was still an indestructible force. Yeah. Well, and Holyfield, many people felt the, 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 the you know, he had been diminished some yeah. at that point. And so that was... You know, that was a, a surprising win by uh, by Holyfield. You know what? It's funny, Al. You, I'm sure you remember that particular night. When we saw Holyfield hit the scale, I think I, I was 16 at the time when that fight happened. Mm-hmm. I remember seeing Holyfield hit the scale, and I remember, well, this is a guy who came up from Cruiserweight. And I saw him hit the scale. I said, oh, my God. I never, yeah. he, I, this was the most phenomenal shape I had seen Holyfield been in. When you look at somebody get on the scale, usually it doesn't tell you a whole lot. No, once in a while, you know, it is funny. I don't know. And it's, it's not a, um, uh, you know, quantitatively, you can't say, oh, that's what made you think it. And more often than not, we read into things and it's not really there anyway. Uh, But sometimes a fighter's demeanor prior to the fight, the way they look, everything about it points to somebody having a a great performance. you know, he he became, uh, I mean, he went up from the cruiserweight division, but wasn't that long into it where I think he was a smaller heavyweight right. by today's standards, yeah. not by, you know, what we normally think we used to think of as heavyweight. But he was a consistently uh, consistent in terms of being a heavyweight. You know, he just wasn't a real big, big, big guy. And he and two of his biggest rivals, Bo. Uh, and Lennox Lewis were very big men. Yeah. You know, but here's the other thing. Mike Tyson was more his size. Right. And you know, he's a powerful man and everything. So that was kind of two men fighting who, if you, you know, if you, if you had a bigger weight division, Lewis and Bo would be in that. And then they'd be in a smaller one. Well, I feel like we're, we're seeing somewhat of that repeated with Usyk and Tyson Fury. That's true. Uh, About to go where Usyk is now moved up. He's, he's filling out. To, yeah. to heavyweight, but he's, he's never going to be a big he's heavyweight. He's never going to no. be that guy. No, he's never going to be a big heavyweight. And it, 
I mean, wouldn't you pay giant money to get a Vander Holyfield in his prime against Usyk in his prime at cruiserweight? Would that not oh be the God. most fascinating fight you would ever want to see? Because you have the ultimate boxer puncher against the ultimate uh, boxer brawler, yep. even though Holyfield had lots of skills. But, you know, he would probably throw a few more punches than Usyk. But, you know, so, and both these, both men went up and had great success in the heavyweight division. It always strikes me when you say that, though, is that cruiserweight's not a money division, though. But we no. see these talented cruiserweights yeah. and we think of these matchups and everything, but the money's always at heavyweight. Like, you know, they're kind of forced to move up. Yeah, for a while, the cruiserweight division, and there's still good cruiserweight fights, but the cruiserweight division for a little while kind of had a little more recognition, you know, with Holyfield and Danusik and his group, the Eastern Europeans in that in the tournament and everything. Um, now it's kind of receded again. And the irony of that is there was a long period of time where the cruiserweight division produced Great fight after great fight. And Marco Huck, who was a you know, cruiserweight champion for about three presidential administrations, <laughs> right? <laughs> you know, he was involved in a million great fights. There were all these great fights at cruiserweight, but it became also a, Euro, a, a division kind of dominated by Eastern Europeans. So here in the United States, it wasn't, it didn't uh, get as much play. So you've called this sport for a very long time. You've seen a lot of fighters. I want to ask you, because I'm going to tell you mine first. Has there been a fighter that you saw maybe on Showbox that you were, that you didn't think would become what he would end up becoming? Mm. For me, it was Terrence Crawford. I saw him fight oh, Bradis. Yeah. I saw him fight Bradis right, Prescott. Right. And I was like, that guy? Mm-hmm. He had braids at the time. Yeah, yeah. It was a stinker of a fight. He had, Terrence came in on late notice and I was like, hmm. And as the years went by, he became what he is today. Yeah, yeah. Is there anybody that you saw and you were like, Wow, I, I didn't this expect is, that. This is this gentleman didn't become a superstar, but he became a champion and for a little while was considered one of the best. Livingstone Bramble. Wow. And I'll tell you what, I saw him fight several fights leading up to the first fight when he fought Ray Mancini. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it, when he fought Ray Mancini in Buffalo, he was a mandatory challenge. It was supposed to be a coronation for Ray Mancini. They the arena was filled. Everybody, oh, he's going to go out there and he's going to end for the first five rounds, six rounds of the fight. He was pretty much controlling. Livingstone Bramble switches to lefty. And not only did that fight change, his whole career changed. I, I wouldn't have, I wouldn't have bet a plug nickel that Livingstone Bramble was going to beat Ray Mancini, win other championships and other championship fights. I mean, what I saw didn't look like that kind of person. And and you make the point that happens. You, you look at fighters and these, well, I don't know, you know, they're, they just don't seem to have that. Now, many people felt that about Tyson Fury. I will say, I'm going to, I'm going to say, because I was on record early as saying, I thought Tyson Fury was going to be a, as he matured, was going to be a tough matchup for, for a lot of heavyweights. Uh, but most people didn't. Most people thought Tyson Fury was just a big lumbering guy. And remember, he, he was kept getting knocked down, which didn't yep. help his cred. And I see, I went and did a lot of his fights on Channel 5 in England. I broadcast uh, for this. It was an over-the-air network in Great Britain. I did for about five years. And we did a lot of the early fights with Tyson Fury. So I kind of got to saw his, uh, see his development as he moved forward. Mm. On the flip, hold on, on the flip side of that, who was somebody that you were sure was going to be the next big thing. And it was oh, like, Oh my goodness. Gosh, yeah. Um, 
Let's see. Um, Long list. Of them. There's a lot of them. There are a few. Well, um, there was a, a guy years ago, Bernard Taylor, who was a an amateur champion. I mean, you couldn't have more skill. I mean, I'm going back a little bit mm-hmm. here. I'm, you know, usually I'm not that much of a, of a nostalgic guy, but it's just there coming to my mind. Uh, Bernard Taylor was astonishingly good. Howard Davis, another wow. example, yes. who never won a world title. He was yeah. a great Olympian and had, you know, there was no way he wasn't going to, never won a championship as a, a pro. It was impossible to imagine, right? Came close several times. Um, so, yeah, there are fighters that you look at and you say, oh, man, this guy's going to be fantastic. And it just doesn't, it doesn't play out for them. It speaks to the beauty of boxing, right? Yeah, it's part of it. Yeah, because, um, you know, for whatever reason, and there's always a perfect storm there, right? Some of it may be them. Some of it may be circumstances. And then it just doesn't work out for them. If there's someone now that may not be like on the public radar of like projecting as a superstar and everything, well, and you see them in in five years, they are a top five person in the sport. Well, who would that be? I'm going to tell you the guy who he's already 31, but who I think could have the most productive next three or four years and make himself. He's already one of the most exciting fighters in fight in boxing. You may laugh at me, but he's on the card this weekend. Subriel Matias. Mm. Ooh, okay. He's so exciting. If you like boxing, you like Subriel Matias. I mean, he now because he's in wars all the time. What <laughs> yeah. I'm saying may not be true because he might get knocked out two fights from now. Yeah, but if he doesn't. He's going to have behind him, in a, and he wants to fight. He wants to fight more often. He wants to be more active. He's the kind of guy that's going to have a whole bunch of, over the next two or three years or four years, if he, if he holds it all together and keeps being in all these fights, people are going to be looking at him saying, okay, this guy is, was, you know, amazing, right? Yeah. Uh, I mean, he's an example of, of somebody that I think has so much, such a skill set right now. Now, did the fact that he got there a little, you know, later and he's already 30 or 31 uh, holds him back a little, but I just think he's special. And it's a very tough division. 154 <laughs> is a ridiculous, or 140, excuse me. 40, yeah, 140, yeah. Yes. Actually, 140 to me is the best division in boxing by far, by yeah. far. Young talent, established Young talent, talent established talent. I could go down. 20 fighters into that division and, and did it a couple of times just to see, went down and listed all of them. And every, there are at least 20 fighters that on the right day might beat the number four guy or three guy or one guy. Oh yeah. I mean, you know, we, even number 17 of the group, I'm not yeah. saying that's even where they're ranked, but you know, like yeah. they think of him as 17, he might beat the, he might beat the number two guy. I mean, if people consider Tiafima Lopez, the number one guy, we saw him lose to George Cambosis. Yeah. Who, who would probably yeah. be 15, 20 if he moved up. <laughs> right. So exactly. it's one of those things yeah. anyone can go. Yeah, it's staggering. Uh, Rolly Romero has a title. <laughs> yeah. That's another story. <laughs> Any, anything can happen in this division. It is true, though. That does speak to the fact that anything astonishing apparently can happen in that in that division. What yeah. a night that was. Oh, oh. You know what? I You just gave me heartburn reminding me of that. <laughs> I mean, yeah, that was on, a crazy on that note, what are some of the worst decisions that you that you can recall that you were just truly offended by? Yeah. And the reason why I want to ask this is because social media, 
Everybody yeah. calls a close right. fight a robbery. Right. Now, it's robbed. true that, that people people get on that. I mean, the first Lennox Lewis Holy Phil fight was a perfect example of it. Uh, Marvin Hagler's draw with Antifermo mm. years ago. I mean, I, for some reason, I keep going back long, uh, farther back than I probably normally would, but uh, that would be a, a you know an example. I mean, for the amateurs, of course, Roy Jones lost in the Olympics was oh, the that was the that may be the worst decision <laughs> ever of Never. all time. Uh, and uh, you know, we've had some bad ones in recent years. God knows. Uh, and you're right. The, the temptation is a lot of times to call something a robbery when, in fact, it's a close fight that somebody won. Now you can have a fight that is a close fight but clearly should go to fighter A and goes to fighter B. And Correct. you, you kind of have to differentiate, but nonetheless, then it's really, a, 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 you know, an egregious situation. Is robbery the, the most overused term in boxing? Probably, yeah. And, you know, the bad officiating in boxing, uh, part of it is the judging, but I'm going to tell you something else, and I'm not by nature a super negative guy. The refereeing is oftentimes worse than atrocious. And sometimes bias. And if you put those two things together, it impacts the fight almost as much as the judges, right? Yeah, of course. Because it, in fact, maybe more you can make a case, right? Because it impacts how they fight. Um, and, uh, you know, we, we live in a world now, I'm not that I'll get into this, but where we have a lot of trials going on where people are focused in on the judge and how they may act, even though we know a jury yeah. is going to make the final decision but the judge has an impact, right? right? In terms of the way they rule. Well, that referee is, you know, has a lot of impact. And of course they can stop a fight. And we've yeah. seen some atrocious stoppages. I mean, we just oh, talked about last... Rolly Romero. <laughs> well, yeah, that's one. Yeah. I mean, there's the, one. The man was and, dropped uh, twice and then yeah. hit a I mean, phantom had, punch. Yeah. That's one of maybe I'm going to say seven or eight in the last couple of years that, uh, that were just, and and sometimes it's not that that fighter wouldn't have ultimately won, but they, you know, they, that time was that. Well, we're we're doing our remembrances, uh, you know, for our final show, and one of the one of the fights I'm uh, I was going to mention was uh, the first fight between Orlando Salido and Juan Manuel Lopez, in which it was a kind of an abrupt stoppage. Mm -hmm. And the reason I remember it is, even though I think Salido would have probably gone on to win later that round or in the other round, but the referee stopped it and it was in Puerto Rico. And so the fans of course were insanely uh, uh, on the side of uh, Juan Manuel Lopez, Salido being a Mexican fighter going to Puerto Rico and the great rivalry. So um, when that happened, the fans got agitated and started throwing things at the ring. And I, I got hit with a water bottle right here, <laughs> a full water bottle. I was happy that it wasn't like an inch lower, but boom, you know, I got wet. I'm like, okay, you know, so if I said anything, especially loopy the next five minutes for the first time, I had an excuse. Yeah. You were dazed. Uh, At least that time they can't blame me for just being an idiot. <laughs> uh, last question before we get you out of here. And that is, if now we know the boxing landscape is changing and everything, right. but it leaves for more opportunities. Is there a fight or two where you look at it and you say, I want this fight for the, for the sport of boxing. I would love to call this fight. This is a matchup that's available and out there right now that we need to see in yeah, boxing honestly, in the coming years. And I'm not saying it because it's top of mind this week. I want to see David Benavides and Canelo. Thank Alvarez you. Fight. Thank if he you, wins, if yes. he beats, and listen, uh, no offense, Demetrius Andre, you might win on Saturday night. Yeah. Definitely might win. If he wins, good. Let him go fight Canelo. But 
I am very curious to see what happens when David Benavides and Canelo Alvarez fight. And, you know, part of that is, you know, David Benavides, to my way of thinking, when he's on, is one of them is an offensive machine and he's astonishing. But we know that Canelo Alvarez is capable, even at this age, of creating an effort and surprising people, even that now that all of a sudden say, well, he's kind of always slow. He says, but he can do it. And of course, he's a very skilled fighter. So that one is one that I really, really, you know, am interested in seeing. I mean, there are others, but that one, that one probably goes to the top of the list for me. Yeah. You, you and all of us. <laughs> I mean, truly, before we let you go, like I was doing the stats of David Benavidez, just going through CompuBox. Mm-hmm. He's like top five in six offensive categories. Right. Yeah, it's pretty astonishing. And Canelo's punch output is diminished fight after Absolutely. fight after fight. That's part of what makes this fascinating, right? And, and I think the true test is, as you mentioned with Canelo, well, what do you do when there's a man that continues right. to come at you? Not It reminded me of Margarito and Cotto in terms of right. styles. Very good point, yeah. Margarito was chasing Cotto around the ring for about six rounds. Now, mm-hmm. granted, we know the, the history of Margarito yeah, after right, that. Yeah. But Cotto was boxing very well, and right. Margarito just eventually bludgeoned right. him to that, I believe, it was 11th round stoppage. This fight is very similar in, in their styles. I'm so fascinated, but I'm, I'm glad you brought it up because it, it, it has to happen. It boils down to, can Canelo Alvarez hurt David Benavides to, to halt that? He's not going to box like that. You know, Canelo is not by nature that kind of fighter. He, he can fight from the outside. But when we saw him on the back foot against Dimitri Bivol, it didn't work out well for right him. Yeah. You know, and he got tired toward the end. Benavides doesn't get tired in fights. So there's a lot of reasons to want to, to think, oh, young David Benavidez, oh boy. And maybe that's true, but I'm really curious to see it because we know Canelo Alvarez can come up with those special performances. And let's face it, he's, you know, uh, he's one of the two or three, you know, names in boxing that are universally known. No, that'd be a huge fight. Uh, they say Canelo's still on the Showtime deal. So if that if that fight happens, hopefully well, we get to hear your voice. Yeah, he's with, with uh, uh, Premier Boxing. Yeah, yeah. Like they yeah. say, like it's in the contract, so you might have to. Well, I, I Showtime might gonna, be out. But. I hope I'm calling that one. Yeah, <laughs> we also done, too. On some platform. Yeah, <laughs> somewhere. No, I 100 percent agree. Thank you so much for taking time out on you. a busy boxing week to sit yeah. down with us. It was great. Everyone, Al Bernstein, the legend, joining us today. Well, I'll come back. I got to come back. Invite me back. Absolutely. Of course. Whenever you like. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? 
You need Indeed. Quoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. All right, everybody, that was Al Bernstein, legendary voice, Showtime Boxing. Man, just a wealth of knowledge, Dre. And said over 40 years covering boxing. And to just see how easily he recalls the sport in 30 years. I, I hope I'm like that sharp and remembering weird-ass fights we covered in 2016. I am probably not going to. I'm no. not going to lie to you. My memory is already shot. Yeah, I'm, I'm hoping. Uh, to be able to call... <laughs> Uh, fights for that long is crazy. Like, yeah. That man's a wealth of knowledge. Also, I got my seat back. Al stole my seat. <laughs> so, so you had to give up the seat. <laughs> I mean, who else would I give up the seat yeah. to? He, he can have the damn seat. But uh, <laughs> yeah, man, it's just it's still crazy to think that Showtime is done. Like over the past decade, we've lost HBO and Showtime boxing. And on one hand, people talk about the fighters, yeah. but it's the personalities. With yeah. HBO, we lost Jim Lampley. We lost Roy Jones. In Showtime, we're going to lose Al Bernstein. Like, where does Morrow go from here? You know, it's yeah. a, a lot of the, the biggest and best voices in boxing are not going to be here. And Al's one of them. Hopefully, somebody scoops Al up real quick because it's always good to have his analysis on fight nights. But uh, it's the end of an era. It's a very strange thing. That's going it really on. is. And then now, not only are we seeing boxing platforms really going to streaming instead of, like Al mentioned to me, it was like before it was behind a paywall. Mm-hmm. It was really subscription-based services, HBO and Showtime. Now it's just going to streaming services. It's like the next era of boxing. But with that, we see an influx of different money coming in and having influence like Saudi boxing. Yeah. And where they don't give a damn about what promote. You could throw that on anywhere. They just want the fights to happen. Yep. So there's just a huge overhaul in what the future of boxing is going to look like with so many different entities that it's it's really a turning point. So to have someone like Al in here who saw two or three turning points <laughs> in boxing already and witnessing like his fourth going into it, it's, it's definitely eye-opening. So that was amazing to talk to Al on a fight week. Dre, we have a fight here this week. Yeah, we have a fight here. There's a fight overseas as well. Yes. So the one here, David Benavides and Drade, um, Boo-Boo. Everybody call him Boo-Boo. I'm going to call him Boo-Boo. Uh, it's the first time I've heard him speak at a presser. Yeah, I've dealt with that man for years. Yes, I know. I had to pay too close of attention to the press conferences when he was on his own. I just looked at the fights. He's a character. Yeah, he's a spaceman. It's interesting to see him have this spotlight now. They did the presser in LA, um, him going back and forth. And the fight's obviously here in Vegas, but yes, the press conference is in LA. Probably they want people to travel in for it. That it makes no sense. And I, I, I don't recall this ever happening. No, it, it just why would you have a press conference in LA on a Tuesday? Right? A press conference is for who? 
the press. Yes. Right? Media day is in Vegas on Wednesday. If I'm a media member who has decided, oh, I'm going to come to Vegas for the fight. And then I'm here and they go, oh, the press conference is in L.A. What good does that do anybody? <laughs> it's like Showtime said, fuck it, because they're done with boxing anyway. It was like, you know what? We're going to do this press conference at the Conga Room. Because I know people like Keith Attic from Box, they're all in Vegas. Yeah. It's Watch so it stupid. on YouTube. It's, it was so dumb to do that press conference <laughs> in LA. I don't, because who's it convincing? Who's going to be like, you know what? I'm, fuck my family. I'm going to go to the fight. Because that's what you, what you basically no, you, have to do. You hope that they have the weekend off of work and they drive down Friday. Yeah, but you, man, look, even when I told my wife I was covering a fight this week, she, she was like, she was like, what? It's supposed to be like a four day weekend. And yeah. I was like, yeah, no, boxing's weird. Yep. Right. But you want people to come from L.A. to this fight because of a press conference on Tuesday? Like, that's going to convince them? <laughs> You'd think they would already have their mind made up. You would think. Yeah, so that that was very weird. And then the trash talk on on all ends. Big Charlo. Trash Man. talking someone three weight classes under him. Yo, Jose Benavidez fought Terrence Crawford at 140. Yep. Like, he's fighting Big Charlo at 160. And... This is going to teach us nothing about Big Charlo. Let's see where his cardio's at. I mean, we'll find out if he's washed. That's the only thing we're going to find out. Oh, yeah. If he loses. Even if he, ha- if he has a bad performance. Like, he has to stop Benavidez. He has to. No, he's been gone so Don't long. Care. Don't care. You're finding somebody who's 20 pounds bigger than him? Don't care. You have to stop. gone for a while. Don't care. Do not care. You're a 160-pound champion. For some reason, you still have the damn belt. He does have the belt. Mental health, I guess. They refuse to strip Sure, it. and Terrence Crawford gets stripped in three months by the IBF? Yeah, IBF's a different world. But Jamal Charlo is fighting Jose Benavidez, who fought at 140 and got beat down by Terrence Crawford. He lost another fight, too, along the way. Uh, can't remember who. I'll look it up. He didn't look great in this last fight when he just came back. If And yes, Jamal's been inactive, but you have to look good in this fight. If you have any hope of landing a Canelo fight, which was the original plan, you can't go the distance. You can't look so far. Lost to Danny Garcia. There we go. Danny Garcia. Just two years ago. And that was at what? 47? Yep. This fight's at 60. I mean, the man was gone three years after the Crawford fight. I mean, his knee was kind of in shambles. Yeah. I mean, he got shot in his leg. Like, Jose Benavides has got a story. Yeah, he's been through it. The point is, if you're Jamal Charlo and you were coming off of a layoff, this is the perfect opponent for you to beat down and knock out. Yeah. And if you don't, you can kiss a Canelo fight goodbye. Benavidez is only 31. <clears throat> Still They're young. young. Him, him, and, him and David are young fighters. But the fact of the matter is, Jamal Charlo, the spotlight is on him. Yeah. He's auditioning for a Canelo fight that we all know he doesn't deserve. If you go the distance with this guy or look subpar, it's a wrap. Might be a wrap for your career in general. I'm sure Demetrius Andrade, who's sitting next to Jamal Charlo at the press conference, which is really weird because they talk shit to each other for years. <laughs> that's the fight that Andrade should have is with Jamal. If he loses, that's probably his next fight anyway. Sure, but I mean, those two should have been fighting anyway. Yeah. Right? Like, to me, David Benavie is just class above everybody on, on this card. Okay. So the card is... The card is good. It is. The, like the, the, the top of this card is really good. But man, if Jamal Charles doesn't look great, hopefully. Carmel's on the bottom end of this. Yeah. Like there's a lot of like 
intriguing like, fights. Real man, yes, is on like this card is pretty loaded, but Jamal has the most to prove and the most to lose because this guy's undefeated. He's a champ. He's got to make amends for his brother's piss poor performance against Canelo because that was supposed to be you. How do you see the main event playing out then? What? It's going to be a beatdown. And not like Boo Boo's gotten beat down before. It's an honest Don't question. Matter. My man, my man has oh, just, just he's diminished going, him. Like we've never seen him get beat down. We see him have stinkers. Don't before. matter. Don't matter. He go ahead and look it up while I'm talking about this. Demetrius Andre has never had like a big fight. He never has. Look at how many fights he's had in the last 10 years. And he's in his mid 30s now. 35. He's the same age. And he has this is his this is his first breakout moment. David Benavides had plenty. He fought Anthony Durrell. On the other card, Spence versus Mikey Garcia. He fought Caleb Plant. And now he's fighting, headlining a pay-per-view here. Demetrius Andre's activity is awful. Demetrius Andre's biggest fight was Jason Quigley. How long ago was that? 2021. Look at the bouts of inactivity. They're not all his fault. Demetrius Andre does not fight a lot. At all. Once a year, pretty much. If you get that. 2013, he's fought... Once a year, pretty much. That's bad. Yep. And uh, now you're... Like, 2019, he had two fights. 2021, he had two fights, but he had no fight in 2022. So 2019 is really the only time he's like really doubled up. So you're looking at Demetrius Andrade, who I'll never forget. I got to watch a lot of him at the zone. He had a he had dropped Luke Keeler early in the fight, went the distance with him. Yeah. He had... Uh, no, he beat Luke Keeler ninth round mm-hmm. TKO. Oh, yeah, he stopped him late. But he, looked, he didn't look great. No. Luke Killer was not in the same league as him. He has not fought great opposition. He is undefeated. He's, a, he's good. The problem is, is that he's never fought anybody remotely close to David Benavidez. No. Few have. But you're older. You're inactive. Uh, you don't have great, like, huge power. What are you going to do to get that man's respect? Caleb Plant is a better boxer than Demetrius Andre. We saw what happened to Caleb Plant. I agree. I, I think stylistically, they were pretty similar. Leading, Caleb is a better boxer. He is. My, my eyes would say so. On paper, I would say they were somewhat even. Caleb had maybe two better wins at that point. Maybe one. But stylistically, they were both really slick, defensive. Caleb showed a little bit more pop. But not really. Like, they were both just really slick fighters. I'd say they were, if this was two years ago, we would say they're very even. The problem is, this is Demetrius Andre's second fight at 168. Because the man don't fight. The man don't fight, but his second fight at 168. And he bounced from 160 before he caught smoke with anybody. And he's fighting a giant at 68. He's not fighting a small 68er. He's fighting a giant. Time to shit or get off the pot. 35. So you asked me how this fight's going to go. It'll be competitive for about three or four rounds. That's early. And then when David Benavides decides to turn it on or he realizes, he ain't got shit. Because that's all it really takes for David. When he fought Anthony Durrell, when he fought Caleb Plant, once you hit David and he realizes, oh, you, you, there's nothing here. Again. Yeah, if nothing's coming back, you're in a world of trouble. I've said it on this show a billion times. I went to Big Bear and Abel Sanchez told me about little fat kid David Benavides <laughs> In 2013, standing in the ring with Sergey Kovalev and Gennady Golovkin, they couldn't put him down. It tells you all you need to know. This kid was a teenager then. 
Yeah. Standing up with them. This that's 13 years ago. He's 26 now. I'm glad Al said the one fight he wants to see is Benavidez and Canelo because sooner or later, there's there's two more fights for Benavidez if he's as good as we think he is. It's this <clears> fight, <throat> then it's Morel, and that's in the spring, and then it's Canelo. Yeah, well, what's gonna? It won't be Morel. Won't be nice for Benavidez if Benavidez w- wins this fight. It almost has to be Canelo. It won't be Canelo in the spring. <clears throat> Canelo's not going to come off of that like long layoff and then go into that here's, final. Here's the problem. That's that's a fall fight. Here's the problem. Then Canelo needs to cough up the title. He'll have to vacate. It's it's so stupid for a fighter to defend an interim title more than once. <laughs> You're telling me, but they'll make him. But the, but who does Canelo fight if it ain't David? If David pummels pummels Demetrius Andre, gets on the mic. Gives me the Nick Diaz, George St. Pierre post fight speech. <laughs> Canelo, where you at? And everybody's like, well, damn, Canelo, where you at? You can't go fight Charlo. Nobody's going to give a shit about that fight. Who are you going to fight? Fight Charlo. Nobody's going to care. I'm telling you, Charlo's not going to turn into a performance where people are going to go, I want to see him fight Canelo. Yeah, you, you do some like other number one contender shit somewhere. Pick somebody. F- give me a name that Canelo can fight. That's tough. I don't know who's other number one. There's nobody out there. There's nobody. Nah, like, no, I'm trying to go through PBC and who they have. It won't be David Morrell. No. He ain't fighting Morrell. No. Morrell is going to fight Benavidez in the spring. No, he's not. I feel it in my bones. I promise you that fight ain't happening in the spring. There's no way they're going to put David Morrell and David Benavidez together now. They're not going to do it. They're not. There's no reason to do it. Next man up. Canelo sweepstakes. Who is the next man up? If it ain't David, the only person who's earned that opportunity is David Benavidez. I low-key want to see him beat the shit out of, uh, what's his face? But he's Edgar Berlanga, but he's on the zone. I mean, he's on the zone and Berlanga. But mm, just rent him out. Probably not. I mean. Oh, who's Oscar's dude? Could fight Oscar's dude. Who? Uh, who's not that good? What's Jaime Munguia? Jaime Munguia. Come <laughs> yeah, on, man. Jaime Munguia. He could. I'm fight Jaime Munguia. That's a name. Boom. That's a fight right there. That, that ain't gonna happen. I mean, it probably look, it shouldn't happen, but he could fight him. You can't run from David Benavides forever. If you want to stay undisputed at 68. If you don't care, go fight somebody else. I know the WBC does tricky things and they, they'll let Canelo do whatever he wants. But you can't have a man defend the interim title. And the WBC already said it. Like, Yes, he's next in line. Yeah. You have to strip Canelo. You have to. You have no choice. I don't know why Canelo's hanging on to this. I don't know either. He's already undisputed. Like, if they strip you, so what? But he maybe wants to care. I don't know what Canelo wants like to do. Like sanctioning fees. I don't know what he wants to do. Like, if you're David Benavidez, there's nowhere else for you to go. There's only one fight in super middleweight. Yeah. No, he's, he's doing this and then wants to go up. Well, yeah. The only reason he's staying is for Canelo. That's it. And it's it's a huge fight because, and the reason why I say it needs to happen now is for all the reasons I outlined, David Benavides has nobody else to fight unless he, unless he beats up Big Charlo. Yeah. Like that's the only thing left for him to do that could further prove that he should fight Canelo. He could. You think they'll feed Big Charlo to him just off? If Canelo, no for rest? whatever reason, 
doesn't fight him. There's a story that you beat up my little brother and I'm going to fuck you up. Like, that's the story right there. Revenge, right? Yeah, yeah, of course. But other than that, there's just, there's no, there's nobody. Like, Canelo, at this point, everybody can say he is ducking him. There is no (laughs) doubting it. Like, usually duck is like the wrong word. And you can go out on a limb and say, yo, are you scared of him? You asked Al what the most overused term in boxing is. It's not robbery. It is ducking. Ducking is is the most overused. But I can say it's fair if you want to. This one, this one would apply. <laughs> like this one would apply because there's nobody else. So if it's like if you're not going to fight the one guy who says he's going to take your Mexican holidays, who's been calling you out for years, yep. has been the WBC super middleweight champion twice, currently the interim champion. There's like Demetrius Andre told me, he was like, I feel like this fight's for the real WBC title because Benavidez never lost a fight. No. He only lost to cocaine in the scale. That's it. Right? Like he lost the cocaine in the scale. And then arguably got the belt back. Yeah, and he ran back and just got it again. And Canelo's like, nah, I'm not going to fight you. And it's like, why? As good as you are, you're not going to fight this dude? This Mexican that's coming for your legendary status? You got to make that fight. But I don't give Andre much of a shot in this fight. I think he gets the break speed off of him. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I'll go late stoppage because Boo Boo is slick enough to like make it he can make it boring early. That's going to be tough. And it's going to be an avalanche. Benavides don't have boring fights. No. But Boo can hold. When, when he has energy, he could dance around enough, hold, but the body shots will accumulate. The jabs will accumulate. Next, you know, the, I guess the smallest combos, Benavides throws like four punch combos. Right. So the four punch combos will turn into 15 <laughs> in a quick second. And then by the ninth and 10th, it's a wrap. Like I mentioned to Al, like David Benavidez is in, I think he's number two in plus minus behind Shakur Stevenson at like plus 18. He's like three in punch connect percentage. His jab connect percentage is top five. Like he, in every statistical offensive category, he's in the top five. He shouldn't be that well conditioned. He shouldn't be like, it doesn't make with sense. that same amount of hand speed. It, he, it really doesn't. You have to remember this kid almost weighed 300 pounds. It's very similar to Tyson Fury. It's frightening. Where Tyson Fury was like 400 pounds. Yeah. Like cut back down. And then somehow the speed just never, never went away. It's the fluidity. It doesn't yeah. look like he no. should be able to throw. David Benavidez has no definition. My man throw like 17 uppercuts in that one fight. I can't remember who the opponent was. Yeah, he was like, you're going to go. Clip all time. Just fed him up. You know, you're going to go down from these uppercuts. Like he spammed the uppercut button from Mortal Kombat. <laughs> and even Mortal Kombat can't throw the uppercut that no. fast. And it worked. It worked. Dude was like, will he stop punching me in the face? And he yeah. wouldn't. Nah, like, you know, you play like the UFC game or fight and you have the meter. Yeah, no, no. His stamina meter's stupid. That's it. Like, it, it never goes down. It's a Madden X Factor. <laughs> yes. That's what, like, he's my they favorite. They gotta fight. put X Factor. If they have another fight night, Ugh. we need an X Factor. Yeah, yeah. It goes off and he's like, you can throw a 1700 punch combination oh, without getting tired. God. That's David Benavidez. Deontay's, every punch Deontay lands is a knockout. Yeah. The X Factor's that on. Be, that wouldn't be fun. That's real life. <laughs> like, if, if you can work a jab with Deontay Wilder and get an X factor and earn it, you got the one hitter quitter. Yeah. But no, yeah, uh, if you're going to bet on it, David Benavidez is by late stoppage. He's going to bludgeon the man. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. 
Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Yeah, and then the other fight, uh, to just give our prediction, Katie Taylor, Chantel Cameroon running it back. I don't think it's, it's going to be the same as the first fight. Chantel, it's tough because Chantel, I thought, handled Katie well in the first fight, but yeah. it was super close. So it's one of those things where like Canelo again, too, is like, yeah, you can say he got dominated, but the cards were so close yeah. that he only has to do a little bit more to beat a Dimitri Bivol. He just got to get close enough and they'll give it to him. Yeah. Katie just got to get close enough and they'll give it to him. That, that's the problem. Like, Chantel Cameron beat Katie Taylor in Ireland. She did. Right? And they're going back. Yeah. By a wide margin, but it was a small margin. And the problem with Katie Taylor is she's one of the least active punchers in the top 10 women's pound for pound. She doesn't throw a lot. Her connect percentage is great, but she doesn't throw a lot. Yeah. You know who throws the most, most punches in... Chantel Cameron. Really? Yes. She's the busiest fighter. Yes. She's the... No, no, no. She's second in Amanda Serrano. Serrano, so Serrano yeah. throws hands. But she, I think Chantel averages like 68 punches around. Katie averages like 29. Yeah. So if you're going to get outworked... And then on top of that, Chantel Cameron like was beating up Katie Taylor to the body. Yep. And she's naturally bigger. She's five years younger. Like, it's a bad fight. This is Katie Taylor's Dimitri Bivol. Like this is a bad style fight for her. Yeah, I. It's it's almost to the point where her pride's going to get her messed up because you should be fighting Amanda Serrano. Uh, granted, the fight's still there. Even if you lose to Chantel, it's like whatever. You go fight Amanda Serrano, you still make a lot of money. That's women's boxing. There's those fights are always there. There's yeah. not enough good fighters to nah, for a loss to we'll really hurt you. Yeah, but I don't know when you're 37 years old and you're fighting a, a, the same opponent again, and more than likely she's going to beat you the same way. It's the ego crusher. I would say, especially after seeing the Serrano fight, I would have loved for them to make the change. Just go 12, 3, whatever. Oh, yeah. I would have loved to see that, Because then, at least there's a different aspect to it. Yeah. Because one, you were getting out-punched and your face punched off. So maybe you can get stopped. Right. In which Chantel gains a lot of notoriety if she stops you. Or maybe that extra minute gasses Chantel. And you can actually use that to win later on in a fight. That would add more intrigue to this matchup. Yeah. And just running it back under the same rules. People are really excited about this fight. And it's an early fight on Saturday, which is good. I just, I just don't see it going any different. I just don't see anything changing. Katie's <sighs> going to have to be busier. And that's just not her MO. The other thing about Katie, as good as she is, she doesn't have any power. No. She gets in a lot. So like, you got to train. You have to deal with somebody who's bigger, who throws more, and is going to continue to come at you. Who's already spent 20 minutes in a boxing ring with you. Yeah. She knows what you have to offer. Chantel might beat her worse this time. Could. 
Katie's gonna have to do something. Like she's gonna have to get a respect. Something. I can see the judges figuring out a way to give this oh, to Katie. Look, look. All that being said, they're fighting in Ireland. Yeah. <laughs> like Katie could win this again. So I, I had this question asked to me today, and I'm gonna ask you: If Chantel Cameron dominates Katie Taylor, beats her soundly, does she get past Clarissa Shields for number one pound for pound? No, and they completely all the time try to find ways to disrespect Clarissa Shields. Yep. And we can argue why it might be very blatant, but no, she does not. Cause I understand she would have been Katie Taylor twice. She should be McCaskill. Mm-hmm. So she beat the champion above her and below her yep. in three wins. So that that's one hell of a resume. Sure. But you're still only a one division undisputed champion for whatever it's worth. It's just how it, the cookie crumbled. And Clarissa's done it three times. I mean, if we're just counting pro fights three times, she is outside of Vasily Lomachenko, the fastest yes. to win a title in boxing history. Yep. I think Loma did it in three, two fights. Um, she did in three. Like the amount of belts, she has more total belts than she has contests mm-hmm. in her career. No, you're not. You're not surpla- surpassing her. It's like John Jones in MMA. Yeah, she'd have to say, "I'm done. I'm walking away for an extended amount of time." Maybe get, you know, with an injury or have a child or go to MMA full time. And then maybe we got to remove her from the list for anyone else to have a chance. And I just don't see that happening. And if for some reason someone wanted to, Clarissa could say, okay, I'm fighting Savannah again, moving up and just going to take her titles and become a four division undisputed or four time undisputed champ, three division. Yeah. Now what? I mean, that's what she should do anyway. That's, that's my argument is. Yo, until somebody like tests Clarissa Shields, I can't move her out at number one. Like, not even beat her. She's not even being tested. Mm. Like, she beat Savannah. Savannah. Mar- she beat her in the backyard and she beat her pretty handily and there was close scorecards. Yes. Right? Same, same thing. Clarissa don't care. No. She's that good. And I don't care what Chantel does. Like, Car- Clarissa Shields has dominated everyone she's been in front of. And if you look at it's not like, because people are like, well, who's she going to fight next? Is she going to fight in the PFL next? Maybe, probably. I don't care. Until you remove her from the pound for pound list, she's number one. Yep. If she breathes oxygen and they're like, you can be, well, then she's number one. She could fight and become the super middleweight champion. Shadacia Green's fighting Franchon Cruz Desern on December 15th yep. for the WBC title that uh, Savannah Marshall has the champion of recess now because of an injury. Yep. And obviously, it. If I think Shadesia is going to be Franchon. I think so. If Savannah Marshall Maybe. wants to fight Shadesia, okay, sure. But everybody looks at Shadesia as the person who could give Clarissa trouble. I don't think so. She has pop. Yeah, she's got power. Yeah. She, girl's got big power. But I, I see Clarissa winning and becoming undisputed at Super Middleweight. Like, what are we doing? What, what kind of, like, at a certain point with certain fighters, people try to find reasons to not have them number one pound for pound. It happens with John Jones all the time. And you'd be like, well, Islam Akhachev did this. I don't care. John Jones did it longer. I don't care. As long as I've seen that man at his best, nobody's better than him. No. I've seen Clarissa Shields at her best. Nobody's better than her. People are like, oh, she don't knock people out. I don't care. Floyd didn't knock everybody out either. Again, I'd like to see a fight 12, three-minute rounds. Sure. And at this point, she's her level of competition, you can say whatever you want, but she's fighting the best they have to offer yeah. constantly. So if she was fighting even the fifth ranked woman in a lot of these div- divisions, she's racking up the knockouts. 
She's it's just friend. Friend Sean was her second fight or her first fight. Yeah, that was her debut. That was both her their debuts. debuts. Like and went on to become an undisputed champion. Yep. She really hasn't taken soft fights. No, she goes to fought Hammer. She fought all these elite level people at the time. Yeah, she, that's why she's not knocking people out. She's she's number one. So yeah. uh, let's jump back because we haven't talked about Shakur Stevenson's performance in one of the most dreadful fights. It wasn't great. It was bad. <laughs> and we it, we it, were there. We were quite bored. It it, it was sad because. Shakura's not going to make any excuses, but clearly something was wrong. Yes. And Edwin De Los Santos couldn't take advantage of it. Shakura's very defensive-minded. He made several excuses. And that's fine. Yeah. But he has. He showed a text message telling his girl, I don't feel good today. I'm just going out there for the win. Like, like I don't know what that proves. Shakura's in this weird spot where he keeps saying he doesn't want to, and then he like it, people like drag something out of him. Yeah. But it wasn't a great performance. He won whatever. Now people are questioning how good he is. Ryan Garcia says he went to sleep. Uh, Bill Haney was like, oh, maybe he's just not that good. It's funny because most of these guys have been in the, the gym with Shakur. Oh, they know. And they know. And I'm not going to be a Shakur apologist. It was a piss poor performance. Sure. It's the worst kind of performance that you could have in prime time. Because if you're looking to get a fight with Tank or Devin or Tio, that wasn't the performance that's going to land you that fight. No. Maybe in some weird way. I mean, this is the kicker. If you were all under the same promotional umbrella, maybe that fight happens. But the fact that you're with top rank, nobody's looking to fight you. No, but everyone's in different promotions. Devin's a free agent. Ryan's in a different promotion. Tank's at a different promotion. Not like they're all under the same banner either. No. It's a little different than 147 when Crawford was on an island. Well, the problem with Shakur is, like, you have this kind of performance, and nobody's really, like, People have heard, you've been chirping a lot, right? You chirped a lot heading into this fight. You're going to show people. Then you do that. Yeah. And usually when you have a bad performance, sometimes somebody will fight you and think that there's something wrong. But I truly think that everybody that watched that fight was like, that ain't Shakur, right? But in the media, they'll be like, oh, yeah, I ain't fighting him. He's, he ain't working. He's boring. Nobody was there at the fight. Every, they shouldn't have to fight at T-Mobile. It was terrible to have it on Thursday, have them walking damn near midnight East Coast time. Yep. Everything was wrong with that fight. And it gives everybody, every promoter, an excuse to not fight Shakur. Yeah. Or to lowball. Yeah. Shakur might be in the spot where he can get those fights because if they truly think that he's vulnerable, they might be like, okay, but they're really going to offer him 75-25. And you got to go out there and just prove it. Yeah, Devin did it. That's the one thing about Devin. Like, you can talk about Devin all you want, but he was like, yo, I'm going to Australia for the titles. And I'm going to take... This bullshit rematch clause. I'm going to take the less money. I'm going to do all that. And I'm going to fight this guy. Shakur, he's just going to have to do it. He's going to have to tell Bob, like, look, Bob, I have to fight these guys. Well, I think it's the opposite way. Like, you got to tell Shakur and you got to tell his advisors that uh, he's going to have to take less money to get the fight team. You just have to eat shit. Financially, for one fight, you're just going to have to eat shit. Jay Prince, sorry, bro. If I'm going to be a star, I'm going to have to eat shit one night. Like, Floyd Mayweather couldn't be a star until he bought himself out of his contract. Yep. And everybody said he was crazy. Like, you have to take a financial risk. You have to. Because he's that good, and that performance sucked. It's one of the worst primetime showings by a high-level fighter I've ever seen. Yeah. It's, <clears> uh, <throat> it's arguably worse than a loss. Yeah, because it wasn't... There was nothing entertaining about the fight whatsoever. No. Even, like, the T.O. loss... 
He got knocked down early. It was entertaining. He knocked down Cambosis in the tenth. It was slugging. It was there yeah. was blood. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You can't say you weren't entertained. No, no, no. You were entertained. Just like, lost. No, this fight was a cure for arguably worse. This was a cure for insomnia. Yeah. Like if you wanted to get a kid in kindergarten class to go to sleep, put on that fight. <laughs> the kids would be like, ah, you know, they're hard. Kids are hard to put to sleep. Yeah. But on that fight, everybody goes to sleep. Yeah, no, it wasn't it wasn't good, but he's a champion now. So he's a champion at 135. Sure. Um Manuel Navarrete underneath in the co-main did not look great either. I went to no, a draw. But he's a fun fighter. Yeah, but that fight didn't like no one's gonna be like, okay, Shakur was was boring, but let me see him versus Navarrete. It's like, ugh. I mean, top rank still probably makes that fight. Probably, but that's not that's not helping anything. No, but if Shakur Shakur's not gonna rebound until he can fight Loma and he has to be a hundred percent against Loma. What's probably going to happen if, if Loma's fighting George Cambosis? Yes, he is. I he don't knows. know why. <clears throat> There's a lot of money in pay-per-view in Australia. It's, it's just a stinky fight. Sure, but the guy just took a hard fight, got robbed. Give me the bag. <clears throat> I get it. But Shakur versus Navarrete is probably the fight that's going to end up happening because a top rank can control all of that. And you don't have to worry about Vasily going, nah, I don't feel like fighting this guy. Yeah. Now, Varete is going to go, I'm going to fight him. Now, if you're Bob Arum, if anybody's going to try to force the court to fight, it'll be Navarrete. He's going to come. He's going to throw a bunch of punches. He's going to leave himself wide open to counters. Shakur could dominate that fight and get some of his mojo back, right? Because Navarrete, as everybody has seen, he's a vulnerable fighter. Yeah. Like, yeah, he beat up on Valdez. But so did Shakur. I mean, Shakur, he's just a different kind of fighter. Like people forgot. That's that's boxing for you. Like people <laughs> forgot that what he did is Jamel Herring. None of that shit matters what anymore. You do for me lately. It doesn't matter. Yep. But Navarrete is a fight that can get Shakur's mojo back and maybe Lord Vasily Lomachenko in the fight. I mean, depending on Shakur's health, he got he has to get back in the ring soon. He can't take too much time off. But the health is the question now. That is the question. So the quick turnaround, it's like you have to make sure he's 100% healthy because you can't have two stinkers in a row. No, you cannot. That That's when it really gets problematic. Yeah. You can stink it up once. You can't do it twice. Twice, it gets ugly. Yep. So his next fight has to be his best fight. It does. So if it's Navarrete and you think he has deficiencies and he'll allow Shakur to knock him out, then feed him. Yep. Because at this point, his next fight, I think, is his last fight on his top rank deal. You got to resign the kid. And the stinker... No one will say it. Got you a little bit closer and helped you if you're top rank. Oh, yeah. To be able to resign it. Yep. So next fight, we'll put you back on the map, kid. And then just re-up with us and we'll get you the big fight. Yeah. We'll figure it out. So that's where we are right now. Um, it was great. Great starting to show off with Al Bernstein. It's going to be a great week of boxing. going to be a great week of food. I'm cooking so much food this week. It's going to be nuts. So uh, looking forward to Thanksgiving. We are thankful for everyone who listens to the show, follows us on any social platform. We appreciate all of you. Still a pro wrestling show to come later on in the week. Just two shows this week because it is Thanksgiving week. So, um, yeah, we're, we're kind of chilling. But next week, we'll come back. All three shows will mix an MMA and everything again because we got to talk PFL, Bellator merger, the last Bellator card. 
um, in existence, like we talked about today, the end of Showtime Boxing. So a lot in MMA, but we'll make sure we touch on that next week. For myself, for the old man, Andreas Hell, everyone here at Blue Wire Studios in the Wynn Resort in Las Vegas, thank you guys so much. We appreciate you. Enjoy the holidays. Till next week, we're out. Peace.